0: Under normal circumstances, most of us have selective memory. Too often we remember the things we should forget and forget the things we should remember. How good is your memory? Do you lose track of dates, seasons, and the passage of time? Memory loss is a real thing, especially as we get older. Sometimes it's the sign of early dementia or Alzheimer's. But God, the Ancient of Days, never has a memory problem the prophet Zechariah's name means Yahweh Remembers, indicating that the Lord, who is very jealous for Zion, will remember the covenant He made with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and King David. And God will never forget the new covenant He made with you through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: Even when we don't honor our covenant with God, he remains faithful to his covenant with us. Hello and welcome to this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, thanks for listening. Isn't that good news? God remembers his covenant promises and keeps them no matter how many times we fail. Coming up next, Ron takes us to the book of Zechariah and to a wonderful reminder that God always honors his commitments. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. From his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Zechariah, Yahweh Remembers
0: blessing for obedience. That was part of the covenant relationship that God made with Israel. And sometimes the prophets' fiery ministry worked. (laughs) It got the people's attention and they returned to the Lord as they should have. At other times it didn't. And this was the sad, rather um, oscillating history of Old Testament Israel. Now there are a group of prophets among the prophets. And if you remember, there are 17 prophets in the Old Testament that have contributed to the Old Testament canon. Uh, Five of them major, we call them, and then 12 of them minor. Among the uh, prophets, there are three that are called post-exilic prophets. These are prophets that God sent to ancient Judah um, following the 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Those three prophets were Haggai, which we looked at last week, Zechariah, which we looked at this week, and then Malachi will finish up uh, next week. And these three prophets illustrate the many ways God motivates us to obey him. For example, last week we learned from the book of Haggai that this prophet took direct aim, direct aim, kind of an in-your-face sort of prophet, as he challenged them with their misplaced financial priorities. They they were among the remnant that returned after the captivity to Jerusalem for the purpose of repopulating the city of Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple that had been decimated by the Babylonians in 586 B.C., 70-some years earlier. But 16 years after they arrived, it was still left in ruins. And the Lord just said, time out, (laughs) sent the prophet Haggai, and said, listen, if you don't get your financial priorities in line, I'm going to put a hole in your pocket. I'm going to mess with your personal economy. Well, Zechariah, who was a contemporary of Haggai, remember Haggai was the older prophet, Haggai was the younger one. He's the new generation. And he comes at the same problem of their misplaced priorities, but motivates Israel to serve and obey the Lord and to get their priorities right from a different perspective approach. And in the book of Zechariah, these 14 chapters, we have eight visions, four sermons, and two oracles (laughs) that we need to plow through. Uh, He used this means of communication, again, to motivate people uh, to serve the Lord. He inspired God's people with Messiah's promised arrival. Zechariah was more about the future and uh, the glorious future that the Lord had as he had promised to uh, the nation of Israel. He said that messianic glory would inhabit the worship facility. Much like Haggai said, the latter glory will be greater than the former glory. But God's blessing would be contingent upon their obedience. Starting with, get your priorities in line and get back to work on the temple. While you've built your beautiful houses in the hills, my house lies in ruins. This should have been enough to motivate them to reprioritize their lives in a Godward direction and complete the temple. Now, again, Zechariah was a post-exilic prophet. He's a young man, as he is sent to ancient Judah. And um, one of the things I notice in reading his book is that his writing style is different than Haggai's. Uh, His style is more poetic. Again, Haggai is kind of a a direct-in-your-face kind of guy. Zechariah is more poetic, and his content was mostly prophetic. All right, he's looking ahead, way on down the ultimate road trip through the Bible, even to the end of the age, to the second coming of Messiah. For example, in Zechariah, Christ is the branch. We learn about this in chapter 3. He's also the good shepherd in chapter 9, he's the stricken shepherd in chapter 13. In Zechariah, we also have the prophecy about the one who enters Jerusalem. Does this sound familiar? Humble and mounted on a colt. Yeah, when we celebrate Palm Sunday before Easter, what a, what a significantly prophetic day that was in Israel's history when Jesus mounted humble on the, on the foal of a donkey. That prophecy comes from Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah also envision Christ's betrayal for 30 pieces of silver in chapter 11. And he also tells us about the time at the end of the age when Jesus the Christ will come back at his uh, second advent and his feet will land upon the Mount of Olives and split the mountain in two. Uh, Chapter 14 is just a a glorious climax to the book. Really, Zechariah tells and foretells the story of Messiah's coming more than any other prophet in the Old Testament except Isaiah. Isaiah and Zechariah are where uh, a large amount of the Old Testament messianic prophecies are found. Now, uh, the Lord sent Zechariah, as I said earlier, to the Jewish remnant that returned to Jerusalem to repopulate the city, to rebuild the temple after the 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Uh, Just understand that the once powerful nation of Israel was sort of a a shell of its former self. Less than 50,000 people returned from Babylon to Jerusalem, albeit this time by the permission of a foreign ruler. I mean, think about that. This was Israel. This was their land. Jerusalem was their city. Most of them, after the 70 years of captivity, had grown comfortable in pagan Babylon. And only a few, a remnant, came back to Jerusalem. And only then, because a foreign ruler gave them permission to do so. Uh, what a humbling time for Israel. Zechariah's name means, God's rem- means God remembers, Yahweh remembers. And from a big picture, uh, the book of Zechariah is a time when God remembers his covenant promises to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and even King David, despite the fact that his people haven't behaved very well, and he had to send them into captivity for 70 years. God was more committed to them than they could ever possibly imagine. He was committed to the covenant promises just because they were unfaithful doesn't mean he would be unfaithful. In fact, just the opposite. He would remain faithful. And Zechariah is here to remind the people through the prophecies to the end of the age that God remembers his commitments, even if you don't. He remembers his commitments. He keeps his commitments. And he uses this as... Well, a motivation to awaken them from their spiritual lethargy and to get them to get back to work and doing what God has told them to do. Three major sections to the book. The first is found in chapters 1 to 6 where we find eight visions. And uh, before we get to those visions, the Lord comes back to that um, theme that we often find in the Old Testament prophets of returning to the Lord. Chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. The Lord was very angry with your fathers, Zechariah says to the people. Um, Therefore say to them, thus declares the Lord of hosts, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Says the Lord of hosts appears twice there as if to say, in case you didn't know who was saying this, hey, return to me and I'll return to you. Common theme among uh, the... um, the prophets. What follows are eight visions. This is the way God spoke, or one of the ways He spoke uh, through the prophets in the Old Testament, our visions.
1: Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Ronjohn's message, Zachariah, Yahweh Remembers. If you're new to the program, we want you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, use the partner tab right at the top of the homepage to check out the 828 Club, a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a growing audience. Join the 828 Club from our website or give us a call at 757 757- 276-1099. That's 757-276-1099. Today, God speaks to us primarily through His written Word. But in ancient Israel, He spoke through prophets, and He often spoke directly to the prophets through visions or dreams. Through visions or dreams. Here's Ron in the second half of today's Something Good radio message, Zechariah, Yahweh Remembers.
0: And before we get to these visions, let me just pause and and, and land in Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2 for a moment, which says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Many times and in many ways. Yes, through dreams, through visions, through clay tablets, the many times and many ways that God spoke through the prophets. The writer goes on to say, but in these last days, are we in the last days, church? We sure are. Started with the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem and goes all the way to the end of the age. Whether we're in the final days of the last days is another interesting question and study, but we are in the last days. And the writer of Hebrews says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, that's Jesus Christ, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Why did I stop there? Because as we get into the visions of Zechariah, I don't want anybody to walk away today saying, well, I, I, I want to see if the Lord will give me a vision, a night vision, if he'll speak to me that way. I'm not saying the Lord can't do that. He's certainly able to. There is nothing that limits his power and ability to speak through dreams and visions. But the writer of Hebrews tells us that is not the primary way he speaks to us today. He speaks to us today through his written word and through the living word, who is Jesus Christ. So, you, before you go seeking him for some divine vision and dream, study the Bible, know it inside and out, and study the life of Jesus Christ. This is how God has revealed himself to us in the last days. That said, Zechariah learned some things, and we can learn from Zechariah through eight visions that the Lord communicated to him. The first vision was of a horseman among the myrtle trees who was riding on a red horse. This is in chapter 1, beginning in verse 7. He and others had been patrolling the earth, which they found at peace. An angel tells Zechariah that God is exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion and will restore Jerusalem Verse 17 of chapter 1 says, My cities shall again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. That was great news for people coming out of captivity, some of which hadn't even been born in Jerusalem. Zechariah was born in Babylon. The second vision was of four horns and four craftsmen. The angel tells Zechariah that the four horns are the four kingdoms that have scattered Judah and Israel and Jerusalem. And those kingdoms, as you know from our study of the Old Testament, were Assyria, Egypt, Babylon, Medo-Persia. These were uh, the pagan nations that had had scattered the people of Israel and uh, were used by God to discipline his kids. But this vision talks about the four craftsmen that are coming to cast down the horns. In other words, another encouraging message to the Israelites, God will defend his people and defeat the enemies of Israel. A third vision was of a man with a measuring line. We might call him a surveyor. And he comes to measure the city of Jerusalem. God promises that Jerusalem will become a city without walls to encompass her large number of inhabitants, including people from all the nations. Now keep in mind, just a small number of them, less than 50,000, returned to Jerusalem. But the Lord is saying through Zechariah, no, you don't understand. I'm gonna so populate my holy city and my glorious city Verse uh, 10 of chapter 2, Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming, and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. Are you starting to hear the encouragement, the motivating encouragement, from Zechariah to this uh, remnant that had misplaced their priorities? The fourth vision was of Joshua the high priest at the time. Very interesting one here. Zechariah saw Joshua standing before the angel of the Lord, and Joshua was wearing filthy clothes. And according to this vision, right next to Joshua or near him was Satan, accusing accusing Joshua before the angel of the Lord. You do know that the devil is the accuser of the brethren, don't you? There's nothing he desires for you that is good. He will accuse and accuse and accuse and accuse. By the way, we live in an accusation culture today. Have you noticed that? The whole cancel culture thing is an accusation culture and is rooted in the devil himself who wants to cancel this person and cancel that person. All he sees is you and me in filthy clothes. Well, I love love this vision. Because you know what happens, the Lord rebukes the devil. By the way, let the Lord rebuke the devil. You don't need to rebuke the devil. Okay, some preacher out there, and he says, I, devil, I rebuke. No, no, the Lord rebukes the devil. Okay, he's the only one with the authority to rebuke the devil. And then what he does is he closes that same Joshua in new clothing, fresh clothing, clean clothing, as a picture of his righteous standing before God. What an incredible, incredible picture of this is. The fifth vision was of a golden lampstand and two olive trees. Now we're in chapter four. And this time the angel of the Lord awakens Zachariah from sleeping. The prophet immediately sees two olive trees feeding oil to a golden lampstand. The olive trees, according to the prophecy, are symbolic of Zerubbabel, the governor, and Joshua, the high priest. The golden lampstand represents God's work inside the temple. You got the picture? And the point of the vision is how the Lord, by his spirit, will use these two men to accomplish his work. And here in chapter 4 and verse 6, we have that, that great statement that the Lord will do his work, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And this is an important thing for us to remember even as New Testament believers. Because on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came to live inside of us. On the day of salvation, he came to live inside of us. Now the question is, you know, do you have the Holy Spirit? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. you got all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get. The other question is, does the Holy Spirit have you? And does he have me? Are we living through the Spirit? Are we trying to do his work by our own might, by our own power, by our own giftedness, by our own uh, uh, credentials and position? No, not by might, not by power. It's by my Spirit, says the Lord. So Galatians tells us to walk by the Spirit and live by the Spirit. And Ephesians tells us don't quench the Spirit and so forth sixth vision was of a flying scroll. We're in chapter 5 now. And this flying scroll symbolized God's judgment upon those who broke his commandments. And singles out thieves, people who steal. Interesting there. The seventh vision was of a woman in a basket. Again in chapter 5. The angel of the Lord opens a basket about the size of a bushel and gives uh, Zechariah a glimpse inside the basket. He looks inside the basket, and he sees a woman in the basket. Then the angel of the Lord uh, takes the lid, puts it over top of uh, the woman, and he declares to Zechariah, this is wickedness, okay? And then two women with stork-like wings pick up the basket and take it to Shinar. Do you remember Shinar when we were in the book of Genesis? Chapter 11, uh, the Tower of Babel, that was Shinar and uh, they take the basket to Shinar. It is a picture of the removal of wickedness, listen to this, before Babylon returns at the end of the age. Now, when we were early on in the ultimate road trip through the Bible, we were in the book of Genesis, I said, you know, the Bible is really a tale of two cities. Salem, which became Jerusalem, and Babel, (laughs) which became more than a city, But it became Babylon and and the great superpower, Babylon. Uh, Wickedness that that rises up out of Babylon uh, will be removed, but will rise again at the end of the age. And you study the book of Revelation, you you see these two major cities coming center stage. Jerusalem, that eventually the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem comes. Uh, But Babylon Uh, returns as well, Revelation chapter 17. Finally, Zachariah saw four horses pulling four chariots. And these four colored horses are black, red, white, and dappled, and they're strong, and they're patrolling the earth. The Lord's spirit is at rest after the horses return from delivering judgment.
1: God does not merely remember his covenant promises. He honors them. Every promise he makes is a promise he keeps. To hear any of Ron's messages on demand, use the radio tab at the top of the homepage of our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, take a look at a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones called Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps.
0: Look for Something Good courses at the top of the homepage. Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I wanna speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, Did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. None of us can accomplish God's
1: will without a little help. Today, with your help, Something Good Radio will keep sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through these radio and internet broadcasts. When you partner with us, we'll send you a free copy of Ron Jones' full-length book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. To join the A28 Club today, please visit our new and expanded website, somethinggoodradio.org Just look for the Partners tab at the top of the homepage, that's somethinggoodradio.org or call 757-276-1099. And if you can't become a partner, but would like to make a donation of $50 or more, we have a very special thank you gift to share with you. It's Ron's book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Volumes one and two can be yours by request when you invest $50 or more into the media ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get unlimited access to the Route 66 Digital Library a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. For more information, visit somethinggoodradio.org. The Lord keeps His promises to us even when we disobey, but there are consequences to disobedience. Here's Dr. Ron Jones.
0: The second message, also in chapter seven, reminds Judah of her past disobedience and the consequences of her unwillingness to obey the Lord. And this may surprise you, but the consequences that are highlighted in this message uh, include unanswered prayer.
1: That's next time, when Ron shares part two of his message, Zechariah, Yahweh Remembers. Join us then for something good for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio. I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.